survival kit. What is the gospel? Last week, I'm gonna, now I'm going to fly through this, but it's important because I want to springboard off of it, okay? So Jesus comes, it's Luke 14 through 19, he's announcing his ministry, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in this scripture, he uses the word gospel, which comes from the this, this word here is euangeliezo, euangeliezo, and it's to bring good news. And we shared this last week that, that the gospel is, it's good news, it's great news. Then we saw in Matthew 24, and this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come, not before, then. So you notice that everybody is going to hear this and then the end will come. So waiting around passively, just not a great idea. We get to bring great news to everyone, and at the end of everybody hearing the great news, then really great news happens, even more great news, the end comes. And that word here, gospel, in this verse is euangelion. So we have euangelizo, euangelion. And then it also means glad tidings, salvation through Christ. So it's the same great news. And in 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, how many of you know that Timothy is not an evangelist? He's actually an apostle. But he is to do the work of an evangelist. And indeed, we are all to do the work of an evangelist. And we shared last week about the fact is when we hear the word evangelist, there's a whole lot of things that come into our mind. High-pressure salesmen, crusades, cards. How many of you remember those little chick uh, cartoon? Remember those littles? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I that old? Y'all remember the little comic book? You find them in the bathroom? You, no? Okay. Well, anyway, that comes to my mind when I think of evangelism. And anywhere, everyone is to do the work of an evangelist. And you know what? Those were some, in, 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 in different times and situations, there are several beautiful tools at our disposal. So I'm actually not knocking any of them. There's a lot of people that got saved through those little chick comic book thingies, um, as well as all these other things. However, this word evangelist is euangeliestes. Euangelion? Euangeliestos, euangeliestes. Good news, good news, good news bringer. And so this last week was what we ended on. Wait a minute, an evangelist is a good news bringer. They're a gospel bringer. And we're all to do the work of being good news bringers. And one of the things we talked about with good news bringing, good tidings, is most times when you come to someone and you say, I got great news. Uh, Re Regina shared her testimony last week. It was beautiful. And when she ran home and told her parents, I got great news, I mean her, her siblings, they said, you won something. It's the first thing that came to mind, right? And the truth is, when anybody comes and says, I've got great news, usually the first thing that comes into our mind is, you're going to get something that you didn't previously have. You got a raise. You won the lottery. You won a car. You got a better job. Something good happened. Something good was added to you. You think that's fair? 
And so here is this word, euangeliestes, which is bringer of good tidings. And we are all bringers of good tidings. And we are all to do the work of being a bringer of good tidings. You guys with me? Okay. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the Lord is not taking too long to come back. He is actually long-suffering. He's actually being patient, not willing that anyone should not have the opportunity to not only hear the good news, but to accept it, because he has no desire that anyone would perish. He wants everyone to hear this good news, and he wants us to be the ones that bring the good news to everyone. Now, I want to explore one very important aspect of what this good news is. And so I want to start right here, Luke 15. And then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, what person here, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, doesn't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman... Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided them to his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. 
and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this was my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he wouldn't go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. What's the point? Well, there's several, but I just want to really hone in on one. Who does the sheep belong to? It belongs to the shepherd. And who does the coin belong to? It belongs to the woman. And who does the son belong to? Yeah. And here you see in the scripture it says, the, the son, the older brother says, but this son of yours came, this son of yours came. It's kind of interesting, you know. It, he's distancing himself. Well, this son of yours came and devoured your livelihood with harlots. But he, but he says to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. And then he says this, it was right that we should make Mary and be glad for your brother. See, the, son, the older son says, this son of yours. Look at what he's done. He is, he's distancing himself. But the father says, you are, son, he's speaking to the older son, you are with me. You're always with me. And in fact, all that I have is yours. Therefore, he's your brother. You get this? And he says, and your brother was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost, and, he was, and now he is found. This is so simple that we can miss it. But this is key for the gospel, the good news, to be good news, is that we need to understand that the silver coin is the Lord's. It was his, it is his, he lost it, and he wants it back. The sheep is his, it was his, he lost it, and he wants it back. And what is the sheep and what is the coin? It's a daughter and a son. This child was his, and he lost them, he wants them back. He wants her back. He wants you back. 
It's his child. We're, we're not talking about sinners. We're talking about children. We're talking about sons and daughters. This is the reason why the gospel is good news. He's lost one of his children. What woman among you, if you lost your brother, your little sister, your daughter, your son, would not leave everything and find them if you could? Right now, the most devastating thing that's in our midst is human trafficking. It is, it is so like the devil. He abducts children who are already at risk in broken families, usually. People's own families sell them into slavery where they are then used and abused until they die. What person among you, if you lost your sibling, your son, your daughter, would not leave whatever you were doing and find them and bring them back and say, my brother was lost, but he has been found. My daughter was lost, but she has been found. The beginning of the gospel is that we must understand that this is how God sees this. Are you with me? The father of darkness has abducted God's children and pointed the finger at God for many of them. And we are those that bring the good news to come to them and say, you are not an orphan. You are not forgotten. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And he would that you would be reconciled to him. This is the gospel. The good news is you have a father. And by extension, you have a family. Your father is my father. The Holy Spirit has been seeking for you. The woman represents the Holy Spirit. She's looking for the treasure this is the mother heart of God, if you will. She's looking for the treasure. And when she finds it, she says, come and rejoice with me because this was lost. This treasure was lost. This baby was lost. This child was lost. And now she's found. And we, we're the brother. We're the sister. We're the ones that get to come and shift from this idea of that sinners Does anybody hear that? 
that sinners are ruining the world for us. We, we, we have to break out of this mold that we're looking at all these prodigals who are ruining everything here. And we need to hurry up and get them to repent so that we can feel better about the kingdom or about our city or about what have you. And we have to begin to realize that the Father considers everyone his lost coin, his lost child. Is this making sense? For many of us, we have been representing a gospel that doesn't start from this core truth. And, and Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and the scribes. He's also addressing the sinners and the tax collectors. And the Pharisees and the scribes are upset with Jesus. That's the beginning of these three parables. They're upset with Jesus because they're like, why are you hanging out with these people? They're the problem. And Jesus says, let me help you understand what the gospel is. Let me help you understand what the kingdom is like. It has a king, and he is a father, and he has lost his children, and he is seeking them. And what man among you wouldn't do the same thing if you'd lost your child? What woman among you wouldn't do the same thing if you'd lost your child? Now, why am I saying this? Because I want to motivate you with guilt? Absolutely not. In fact, I feel like this right here begins to break fear and guilt out of our lives as motivators to share the gospel. I want, I want to say this, and I want to say it very, very strongly. If you are motivated to share the gospel for any other reason than love, you're not actually sharing the gospel. You're sharing a manipulative message because you want an outcome in someone's life, not necessarily because you care about them being reconciled to your dad. It's not a judgment. I'm saying you can be free from this. I was just reading in the Screwtape Letters, Uncle Screwtape, how many of you read Screwtape Letters? I am convinced that, that I think the Bible and Screwtape Letters should be what we hand to new believers. It's so good. The premise of the Screwtape Letters is Uncle Screwtape is a, a demon in the lowarchy of, of hell, and he is writing letters to Wormwood, his nephew, who has been assigned to this, this particular man, and he's telling him how to manipulate him to get him out of the kingdom and to get him to end up in hell. And so that's the whole premise. It's really fascinating uh, read. I, I really do encourage you to read it because you will go, oh, they do this to me. <laughs> I can't believe this. One of the things that Uncle Screwtape says at one point is he says this. He says, Wormwood, if you can't dissuade your patient from sharing the gospel, from sharing Christianity or the kingdom, then don't have him share it for the purpose of the fact that it's true, but have him share it unto something else. Christianity, yes, because we need America to get back on track. Christianity, yes, because we need to save the planet. Christ, yes, because we need people who will be much kinder. Do you see, you see what happens? It's no longer the gospel. The gospel creates many beautiful blessings because we actually become born again. But it is not a means unto an end. 
It is a reality through which you are born again and you enter into eternity. It is in itself the only thing. It's the, it's, it's the thing. Everything else will flow out of it, but it can never be unto something else. Many of us preach a gospel that is unto something else. And I want each of us to understand, are you guys tracking with me? You're really quiet today, um, but I feel like we're, we're together, yes? Is this making sense? Okay, well, the reason why this is important is because if we have a mixed understanding or mixed motives in presenting the gospel, what will actually translate is not the gospel, but whatever your actual motivation is. God created us to be very perceptive. He created us to be able to discern when somebody's trying to sell me something and to figure out what it is they actually want. So if I'm presenting good news, but my motivation isn't that you actually get good news and get lined up with my dad, who is your dad, and you, you're my brother, you're my sister, if that's not my actual motivation, what my motivation is is what you'll hear. So if I'm afraid that you don't hurry up and get saved, then things are just going to get worse. So I want you to hear the gospel unto me feeling more safe. What you're going to feel is me manipulating you because I'm afraid. Not that you're my brother or you are my sister and our father misses you. And many of us have interesting motives that have come and become mixed in with why we share the gospel. And it doesn't take long for the gospel that we, that we present to end up being about our favorite aspect of the kingdom instead of being about my Father and you and us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's us. We don't live for ourselves anymore, but we live for him who died for us. And rose again. Therefore, because he lives, we live. For who? Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to say that, ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry we're about. That's why we do the work of a good news bringer. Because we are here, Christ is in us. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to start right, right at the second 
sentence here. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Here's an interesting thing. People do need to repent to be saved. However, we are not leading with a message of people being sinners, primarily. They are sinners, and they know it. And most people in our day and age don't care, and they're pretty much, well, they're dead. So they don't care. I'm already dead. This is what I do. When we bring the gospel of the good news, it begins to release faith into people. And they begin to see and understand, I am actually a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And he is not counting my sins against me because Christ is reconciling me back to God. And as I become aware of the fact that he's leading with love, he's not leading and saying, look here, I'm giving you one shot. You're a dirty little sinner, and this is your lucky day. I'm in a good mood. I remember what Jesus did, so therefore repent now. But I got to tell you, time's short, so come on, tick tock. That is not actually the gospel. The gospel is you, you are a son of the Most High. And you might not know this now, but good news, now you know this. You are a son of the Most High, and he loves you. And before you did anything, he looked upon you, he loved you, and he counts none of your sins against you. And he wants you back. He wants you to know him and to know his love. Now here's the, now here's the part for those of us that maybe aren't used to co-laboring with the Lord from this premise of the Father's love, and these are his lost sons and daughters, is that as you begin to present the gospel, the Spirit of God comes. Let me tell you, let me remind you of a story. You remember Peter? He's in the fishing boat. Jesus shows up and says, hey, how's the fishing going? And they said, it's been terrible. We've been up all night. We haven't caught a thing. He goes, oh, we'll just throw the net on the other side of the boat. These boats aren't exactly wide. I mean, but they're like, okay, you know what? No problem. So they, they, they just, you know, why not? They throw it on the other side. They catch such a large catch that the net starts tearing. And Peter falls on his knees and says, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Wait, what? You got a really, you caught a fish? <laughs> you caught a lot of fish. And he falls on his knees and says, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. The ministry of the Holy Spirit was working with Jesus. And as Jesus came and began just to do what he was doing as a son, the son of God, he's demonstrating the kingdom. He's loving him. He's meeting a practical need in that moment. And the Holy Spirit convicts Peter that Peter's a sinner. I'm not saying you don't have, that you don't talk about sin. You can talk about sin. Everybody's aware of sin. I'm saying that Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. If you bring people into an encounter of God's love, 
The Holy Spirit, in fact, I, I wish I would have brought up the Scripture, but I didn't. But in the Word, it says, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Why is this important? Because the gospel is not trying to make people aware of their sins. The gospel, they're already aware of their sins. Now, we're gonna, now I, I don't want anybody to get scared here that we're not going to talk about regeneration because we are going to talk about regeneration. We are going to talk about a process of sanctification. We're, you know, I loved what Wino said the other day. Some of you feel like you've got things going on in your life that you can't share the gospel because of these things. And then I loved it. He goes, so quit it. <laughs> Amen. That's a good preach right there. You could have stopped right then. There is power in the Holy Spirit that's available so we can get past the things that are, that are still out of order. But those things have nothing to do with the gospel because they're the trespasses. Do you understand? You're free to fulfill the righteousness of Christ. Have I lost you guys? Is this making sense? Is this to the point where it sounds like good news yet? Almost. No, I appreciate that. The main thing I want you to walk away with today, and we're going to continue to keep unfolding this, but I, and I really believe that, that I, I'm not even surprised that this isn't like a, yeah, oh yeah, baby, kind of word, because the truth is most of us have grown up with various different aspects of the kingdom, but not a very clear message of the gospel when it comes to presenting that gospel to those who have not yet entered into the kingdom. Do you think that's fair? And right now, what I'm doing is just bringing the word and saying, I want to start with the premise that Jesus started with, that the kingdom of heaven is like this. A father lost his child. And he left everything and found him. I want to leave you with this thought. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I'm going to pray a prayer over us. I want to finish with this verse. I want to finish this verse and then I'll pray the prayer. And now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Think about this. This is interesting right here. It's a whole lot different. It's a different message, isn't it? Like, you need to repent because he's coming back. And if you don't got a ticket, gnashing of teeth, baby, right? That's not the gospel. How many of you know hell wasn't made for sinners? Hell was made for Satan and the powers of darkness. Hell doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. Satan will go to hell. He doesn't rule from hell. He will be going to hell. It's not a place he reigns over. It's a place he's going to be locked in forever. 
and all of the demons. Here is the gospel. Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Why am I going on and on about this? We are pleading. God is pleading through us, please, please be reconciled to your Father. We're doing what the older brother in the first story of the amazing dad the older brother's like, this son of yours spent everything. That's, we're, we're doing what that son should have been doing. Dad, I know that we've got a lot of really good servants here. I'm going after my little brother. He blew it. He should never have left. I'm going to go see if I can reason with him. I'm going to get him back, Dad. I know you love him. I know you cry every night ever since he's left. I'm packing my stuff. I'm an, I think I can talk to him. We've always been close. Let me go on your behalf, Dad. Let me go on your behalf and find him and bring him back. But he misunderstood and said, no, when he comes back and repents, maybe then he can be a servant. And when he did come back and dad just forgave him, he was so committed to his idea of what the gospel should be, he wouldn't even come in the house and rejoice. This story is for us. A lot of us have a better picture of the gospel as what the scribes and Pharisees had. Remember when Jason taught and said, who are you in this story? Well, in this parable, the scribes and Pharisees were the older brother in this story. The tax collectors and the sinners were the younger brother in this story. And Jesus was there doing this. And now he has committed this unto us. We're good news bringers. And so we are. So, so now what we're going to do is I want us to stand. And we're going we're gonna, to, this is a declaration and this is a prayer. I want you to speak this over your heart because this is the actual ministry that's been committed to us. And you remember I prayed that prayer like, Lord, let your word go in and do what only your word can do. It's living and active. So we're going to do some laser surgery right now with this word. This is the laser. The Holy Spirit, he's the surgeon. Let's release this into our hearts. Amen? All right, why don't we read this together? And this is your prayer over yourself. This is a declaration and a prayer. God, make this so in us. Let's say this together. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's good news. That's good news. Yay, God. Praise you, Jesus. Now, while you're standing, we may have some in here who haven't actually heard the gospel before, not this gospel. And I want us to just take the opportunity to pray together, to take a first step of saying, okay, then I would receive that, Lord. I would receive that love. I would love for your Holy Spirit to come in and convict me of what is less valuable, what is sin in my life. That's awesome. Whatever it is, I don't care. I'll get rid of it. But if this is true... Then, then be my father, and I will be your child. And it begins that process, that regeneration, that born again, where you then want to please God. How do you know you're born again? You want to please God. How many of you want to please God? You're born again. Isn't that amazing? Before God, you didn't want to please God. You were dead in your trespasses. 
Someone told you there was a Father that loved you, and through Jesus Christ, you asked for forgiveness. You asked to be accepted. And what happened? You became born again. Something changed. And instead of wanting to please yourself all the time, you started wanting to please God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is regeneration. And it leads into sanctification. We'll get on to that. But today I want us to pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, you're good. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying and paying for all sin, taking the punishment. Thank you for bringing justice. Thank you that you took what I deserved and then gave me what you deserved. And if this is true, and I believe that it is, then I will serve you all of my life. Come Holy Spirit and fill me and let me be reconciled to God. And I will carry this message all my life. Amen. Is there anyone here that just entered into the kingdom of heaven for the first time, that just prayed that for the first time and started that first step? Okay, that's great news. It means that every gospel bringer in this house needs to bring someone who hasn't next week. Find somebody who hasn't and say, listen, I really want you to come to church next Sunday. And I I know this is probably a little different. I don't usually ask you to do things. But right now we're going through the really great news about who your father is. And I really believe it'll make sense to you. In fact, if you want to talk about it right now, let's talk about it right now. And then bring them. You know, be the gospel bringer yourself. But if not, then bring people to the gospel and we'll gospel bring together. Amen? Does that make sense? We're specifically spending these next months with in mind that I want to co-labor with all of you that if you will bring people into this house, they will hear the gospel. Okay? We're, we're not, we're, we, we had a family meeting a couple weeks ago. We're not going to be having any family meetings in the next couple months. It was a good family meeting. We needed to talk about some things. But this is the living room I want you to invite your friends to. And I promise you, if you'll bring them into this atmosphere, they will have the gospel presented in an understandable and clear way. And they'll have an opportunity to encounter God. So bring those sons and daughters. If I could have the prayer ministry team come, if anyone needs prayer for healing or anything, please come and receive prayer. May God bless you. Bring someone in that needs to meet with Jesus. You guys have a great week.